Testing. Okay. Not too loud. I got to save room to shout. No, if I do, it'd be praise. <laughs> Have you ever been in a, uh, listen to a preacher who um, speak on love in such a way that you just hate it? So I want to ask this question. What do you look to when you are looking for happiness or joy or satisfaction or fulfillment or a sense of wholeness? What is the object of your search? We are continuing our Advent series through the book of Psalms. Last week we looked at Psalms 130. We focused on the psalmist's longing for God's presence. The writer said, I will wait for you more than the watchman waits for sunrise. For centuries, the nation of Israel had longed for its Messiah. As Christ followers, we believe that the Messiah did come, and his name is Jesus. He came as a sacrificial lamb. He paid our sin debt. But he made a promise, and that promise is that he would come again, but not as a lamb, but as a lion, as a victor, as a king, and as Lord. And we, as Christ followers, wait for that day. But we don't wait passively. We wait actively. We are involved in following Christ, growing in Christ, serving Christ until He comes. And in waiting on Christ, we long for Him to complete what He started at His first coming. Now, today, I want to expand that idea that we are between the two comings of Christ. He came 2,000 years ago in the weakness of flesh, but without sin. And as I said, for the purpose of paying our sin debt to reconcile us to God. We are no longer under condemnation. And yet, we are not all that God intends us to be. This will happen when he comes again. And when he comes again, he will claim all that is his, and I hope that you are his. But until he comes, we experience both a longing for him to come and a satisfaction of knowing him already. So today we're going to be looking at Psalm 63, and we will see an example of both fainting for him and feasting on him between the two advents. And so would you please stand as we read from Psalms chapter 63. <clears throat> A Psalm of David, when he was in the wilderness of Judah. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water, so I have long looked upon you in the sanctuary 
beholding your power and glory. Because of your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down to the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for the jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exalt, for the mouths of lions or liars will be stopped. Let's always remember that the power resides in God's word. Thank you, and you may be seated. Thirsting or fainting and feasting are usually considered opposites. Fainting is usually depicted as lacking something or being deprived of something that you need or that you want, like oxygen. While feasting is experience something in abundance. And what we hear in this psalm is that David is both fainting and feasting. You know, this happens in business, doesn't it? Sometimes there are so many customers you cannot manage. And then other times you pray someone will walk into the door. They call that feast or famine. This can happen in the most harmful ways as well, not just in business. We all know people who suffer from addictions to one thing or another. Now we think about addictions mostly of drugs and alcohol But our bodies are chemical factories, and when we make a habit of behavior into an obsession, our body chemistry changes. Sexual addiction happens the same way. That's why pornography is so insidious. When you are hooked, you hunger for it, you faint. For lack of it. You cannot get it out of mind. You have to search until you feast on it, thinking that it will satisfy your longings. And it may for a while, but not for long. And that satisfaction is a short time. Then you'll hunger again. You'll thirst again. You'll faint over and over again until it could possibly destroy your family or your life. All addictions lead us to the same cycle of behavior. One of the more positive notes is that we can become obsessed with athletic activity. I used to be a runner, and I obsessed about running. Now our associate pastor obsesses with CrossFit. (laughs) And I don't know if you've noticed, but his body is changing. He looks stronger. He doesn't think that he is, but he looks stronger. 
And you know what happens at some point? I asked him the other day, I said, you look forward to Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday mornings, don't you? Because he does CrossFit on Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays. (laughs) But I do have words of encouragement, and that is that at some point, you will crave that physical activity to the point when you don't go, you will faint for lack of it. David is in the wilderness. It begins, it begins with saying the psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. Now, most of us would think, well, he's running from Saul. But if you go to verse 11, he says, but the king shall rejoice in God. This is not when he is running from Saul, but when his son Absalom was taking over the throne. He says, oh, God, you are my God. He's in the wilderness, but he still knows that God is his own personal God. This is a deep affirmation of the abiding covenant that David understood that God had with all who would follow Jehovah. This psalm is about one who has a relationship with God. God has made a new covenant, however, Through Jesus Christ. It was established in his sufferings, in his death, and in his blood. Next week, we plan to have communion. And in preparation for communion, I often quote from 1 Corinthians 11. For I have received from the Lord that which I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is what? The new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. As a Christ follower, your relationship with him, your covenant with him is based on what happened on the cross. And it was sealed forever. Even when we find ourselves in the wilderness of life. Here's what I see in this psalm. In verses 1 through 4, it describes David thirsting and fainting for God. But then in verses 5 through 9, we see him describing feasting on God. And this happens while he's in the wilderness. You see, being in the wilderness may be negative circumstances for us, but our feasting on God should not be based upon our circumstances. Just like everything going well should not be the reason that we praise Him. He was king. He was used to the rich food and the luxuries. That was His life. He is being deprived of all that he was on this earth in relationship to the people. But he's not deprived of his relationship with God. He makes it plain. He says, O God, thou art my God. You are my God. I seek you. 
My soul thirsts for you. My flesh pants for you. This is not a panting or a fainting for things from God. This is a fainting for God. He has tasted the fellowship of God. Earlier we looked at fainting as something that's considered the opposite, extremes. But here we see that David both faints for God and feasts on him at the same time, even in the wilderness. He says in verse 3, Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. David wanted God and his presence more than he wanted the stuff of being a king. I want you to think for a moment all the joys of life. And I'm talking about the good stuff. Family, health, food, friendships, healthy sexual relationships, job satisfaction, productivity, books, computers, music, homes, sunsets, and of course, ultimate frisbee. All these things can be good. They're not bad. They're not wrong. But the psalmist is warning us that if our hearts are settled on these things to bring us joy, to bring us happiness, then we are going to be sorely disappointed because every one of the things that I mentioned can be taken away from any of us. They are all temporal You know, the wilderness is really the way that God weans us from the things that we consider most precious. We live in a nice environment here. We have a nice house. Well, Neil, where is your wilderness? Well, I remember when I used to run. I remember when I used to jump. Now walk. Physically speaking, I'm in a wilderness. Because I remember the things that brought me a great deal of joy when my body allowed me to do those things. If my joy is wrapped up in what my body can do. I one day will be most miserable. St. Augustine wrote this, All persons want to be happy, and no persons are happy who do not have want or have what they want. According to Augustine, happiness constitutes something that can be had when it is loved and wanted. Most of us here this morning are in a position to have all that we need materially and the things that we want materially. But do these things provide for us 
the basis of our joy and our happiness. It's really hard to distinguish sometimes if we're honest. Some of our greatest fears are stemmed from the thought that any of these things that make us happy can be taken away. And if you're younger, your fear is that you'll never acquire the things that you desire. Again, Augustine, it is beyond doubt that the one cause of fear is either that we will lose what we love after attaining it, or that, despite all of our hopes, we will never attain it at all. And this is where Augustine, in his confessions, argues that it is the love of God that is permanent and enduring. And that's where our desires and our hopes ought to be. So that no matter what happens in our circumstances... Our greatest want, our greatest desire, and our greatest love is in that which is permanent and eternal. The antithesis of material love is eternal love. And it's in that assurance of God's love and faithfulness for us that we should take our greatest joy and have our greatest desires for His unfailing love lasts forever. David's wilderness experience helped him to strip away the temporal as a priority for his affections. He desired God's presence and love more than life. The good and the bad. Why? Not because they're good or bad, but because they're temporal. And at some point they will be taken away. Some of us says, well, you know, that's an Old Testament concept. No, Jesus said basically the same thing. Listen to what he said in Matthew. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus is saying, you and I have priorities in life. Either we want the temporal or we want the eternal. And when he's comparing our love for our father and mother and our children, he's not really saying it's about relationships. He's saying that is temporal. Place your affections on the eternal. Because if we place our affections on the temporal, we will give our time and energy at the expense of the eternal on those temporal things. Ecclesiastes 3 says this, He has made everything beautiful in its time or season. Also, He has put eternity into man's heart. Most of us have heard, for everything there is a season. The first time I heard it, I was in the ninth grade and I heard the birds sing the song. I said, oh, that's in the Bible. That's really good. But don't overlook the obvious. 
of these verses in Ecclesiastes. For something to be seasonal mean that there's, means that there's a time limit on it. Both the good and the bad are temporal. That's the reason he says in the next phrase, God has placed eternity in our hearts. That's what we are longing for. But we keep substituting that which would bring us joy and fulfillment with temporal things. There's nothing in this world that is going to satisfy you and me. We're always going to want more or be better. We were made for eternity, and only the eternal will satisfy us. In this psalm, starting with verse 2, So that I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because of your steadfast, your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. And when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help and in the shadow of, my wing, of your wings. I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. If you look at this, what he's saying is, I am out in the wilderness. I am not in the sanctuary. I am not where I want to be. But I've been in the sanctuary. And he's using that as a, a, a euphemism of saying, I've been around God's people. I love our worship services. I love being with you guys. And when I'm not, I think about the next time that I'm going to be with you with joy. When I was in the hospital several weeks ago and Adam preached in my stead, I was in the wilderness. You know, one of the things that brought me joy is being able within just a few minutes to listen to Adam's sermon and what was going on here with the technology that has now been developed. I felt like I was almost with you. I got to hear the same thing that you got to hear, but I didn't get to sing with you. I didn't get to pray with you. I didn't get to shake your hand and see how you're doing when I look in your eyes and you say, fine. <laughs> we experience those joys together. And he says, I will bless you all the days of my life. And you know what? He's in the wilderness and he says, My soul is satisfied with you as if I was at the king's table. And when he lies on his bed and when he meditates on the watches of the night, that means he's out in the wilderness. And like the other men, he takes his watch at night as well. It's a lonely time, but you know what? His heart is full, though he's in the wilderness. When we are in the wilderness and our circumstances have changed for the worst, we should remember the power and the presence of Christ in worship.
But until then, we take joy in waiting on Christ's return. You see, we are between the two comings of Christ. God began a good work in us. He died for our sins. He's forgiven us. We're no longer under condemnation as a follower. He's placed the Holy Spirit within our hearts and our minds, and He's given us a desire and a power uh, so that we would want to be like Christ. But this is the in-between time. And we long for His coming, but we're feasting on what He has given to us. And that is Himself. How many times have you heard a saint who has known the Lord for nearly all of his life or all of her life, toward the end of their life, say, I just want to go home. You know what I've also heard? When one of those saints is revived, they were disappointed. These are the ones who really faint for the coming of Christ because they have feasted on Christ for so long. For those without Christ, you're simply drifting from one life experience to another, looking for something to satisfy your soul, but you will never find it. You were not created to simply live on this earth with one achievement after another. It's good to achieve. I'm a firm believer. But if this is where I find my joy and if this is where I find my happiness, I will be solely disappointed and so will you. God created you in His image and you long for that to be completed and only Christ can do that. It is in Him that your soul will feast Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, this message may sound strange to those who are still seeking. But in a way, they know it's true because they have tried so many things to satisfy their hunger. And they always come up wanting They even go deeper into that which they want to satisfy, thinking that if they'll just do it a little bit better, or if they'll take a little bit more, or if they go deeper even into their sin, that somehow that will bring satisfaction, but it only brings more and more emptiness. So, Father, for those who do not know Jesus Christ, would you give them eyes to see and ears to hear, and that they would see the beauty of Christ and they would hear your call. And for those of us who do know him and have known him, even during the bleak midwinter of life, we thank you for your presence. In Jesus' name, amen.